Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome to our guided liturgy podcast. We are in the fourth Sunday of Lent. We do hope that this season of Lent has been filled with the grace and peace of Christ for you and that you've been drawn into the reality of Christ with you and around you. It's good to have you. We pray to the Lord for grace to follow Christ this Lent. Give your church the courage to give up her preoccupation with herself and to give more time to your mission in the world. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength and and hear our our prayer. Give your world the courage to give up war, bitterness, and hatred, and to seek peace. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength and and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up quarrels, strife, and jealousy in our families, neighborhoods, and communities. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our selfishness as we live for others, and to give time, care, and comfort to the sick. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us us strength strength and and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our fear of death and to rejoice with those who have died in faith. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength and and hear our prayer, here and in eternity. Amen. Bloom, let's join with the church worldwide and pray the prayer of the day. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world. Evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and his light shone throughout the earth. He was with God before all things And He came to be with us The light shines in the darkness The dark cannot overcome with us what a great
Hear a reading from Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Glory Glory to to the the Father, and and to the Son, and and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as as it was in the beginning, is now, and and will be forever. Amen. Hear a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 3. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, But anyone who does not believe in him 
has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The words that we read this week in the Gospel of John are actually a continuation of a conversation that Jesus had with one of the religious leaders, Nicodemus, who sought Jesus out to ask him about the nature of light and dark and who Jesus really was, how salvation can be attained, and how the Spirit is experienced when we open ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the nature of love, that God so loved the world that he gave his Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He goes on to talk about light coming into the darkness, that Christ, the light, comes into the dark places in which we find ourselves and is our light. It reminds us of the prologue to John, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us to light our way, to illuminate our minds and our hearts. To save us. We see through John's gospel that his outlook on humanity as a whole is that we are creatures who live in the darkness, that we are people in need of light, in need of inspiration, in need of healing, in need of all that Christ is. So John takes this opportunity to tell us the story, to tell us in the words of Jesus who Jesus is to us, illuminating, going into places in which we hide and feel ashamed and disqualified from love, from salvation. And the emphasis here on God loving the world is not so much the scope of the world, but the depth of the world. That is to say, John doesn't necessarily stress the world as in the entire earth. He has the whole world in his hands, and that's good. But John rather is stressing He loves the whole of humanity. He loves every place in us. He loves into the deepest parts of the darkness. The light goes into every dark place. The light goes into every hard, broken, needy place, both in humanity and in ourselves. And that's salvation. That we, in the midst of everything that we experience and hold and go through, that God loves the whole of us that there is no darkness that can hide from him. I know there are many that choose darkness over light. There are still many who choose the light over the darkness, who choose Christ, who choose salvation. We are people, and we are part of a people who so desperately need the light to come into our darkness, who so desperately need to know the deep experience of being loved, of being seen, of being heard, of being known, of being drawn more and more into the light, into the experience of Christ, into beauty, into restoration, into grace. I think for me, the reason why I've chosen darkness so many times in my own life is because I felt that I was disqualified. Looking back, it was shame that kept the darkness close. And just as John says in this passage, 
There are those who do not come to the light for fear that their sins will be exposed. That was for sure me. I think it's for sure many of us. That deep fear that if people really saw us for who we are, if they really knew us, if they really could read our thoughts, that we would be left utterly alone. But the beauty of the gospel is that God so loved the entirety of our world, both inner and outer, that he came, that he extends his hand, that he shines light, that he is light into every dark place. And that, as so many pastors and theologians and servants and saints have said, is the gospel. I've always read this passage as almost like Jesus was a superhero who was saving the world from this impending doom, this monster that really was us. We were the monsters. Like, and he was saving the world from us and, take, and, and taking the corruption from us so that we wouldn't kill the world anymore or something like that. That's kind of where my brain goes when I, when I used to read this passage that way. But it is so much more beautiful when you think about how God loves us, that he sent his son to save us from the thing that was afflicting us, from sin that was in the world that didn't belong there. And it wasn't necessarily to, to save us from ourselves. It was to save us from sin. So it just, it's taken me a, a long time to get to this point, but I can finally read this and not feel like super triggered by it, <laughs> you know? So when you hear that Christ came to light the darkest places, not only in our world, but in your, in your being, mm-hmm. how do you experience that? When I hear this, it's hard not to feel like it's my fault, you know, like I'm this broken thing that needs to be fixed. And while I do feel like that, there's part of that in my theology of, of this salvation and all of this, it's not all of it anymore. <laughs> I would say for me, it's more of an invitation into living a more beautiful life, living a life that's more in tune with Christ. And, and to me, that's the greatest determinant of sin. Like, that's the greatest way to keep sin at bay, is to follow Christ, which I think is probably true of most people. But that's what it points me towards, and that's how I experience it. I think it's an interesting passage because it compares lifting, like, Christ being crucified to when Moses lifts the bronze snake. And the snakes are released because the people are grumbling against God, and then it saves them, of course. I'm sure we're all familiar with that story. And I think that that's why I had similar theology, Seth, that it was stuff we'd done. And I do think it's stuff we do. Yeah. <laughs> I think we participate in sin yeah, a lot. Yeah. But, you know, having being on this journey of really understanding Jesus to be kind um, over the last four years, I feel like this is again where he is rewriting what we formerly understood about who God is. Mm-hmm. It's that gospel of kindness that I just really am living out of right now. And so, you know, you're asking about how we experience this. And, and I wouldn't say that, I mean, I'm doing a lot of work with my spiritual director right now around like letting Jesus into dark places or letting the spirit into dark places. And so that is actually literally where I've been lately, where Jesus is knocking on doors that I haven't wanted him to come into and I've been able to open the doors and say I trust you in this place and it is I mean I like how you talked about the depth it's the it's the deep places in me I went through this um 
really dark time in my own life. I felt really alone. I mean, I was alone. And I uh, was trying to take the posture of welcoming, of, of opening to the presence of, of God, to the Spirit of God, whatever it looked like for me at the time. And um, I always had this picture of me like somewhere in the catacombs of my own soul, like locked in this prison. And I could hear Jesus walking towards me, like his footsteps echoing in the hall. And if I had to be honest, there was more focus on that I had to be saved, that I had so much darkness over the fact that I was loved. So I I couldn't even experience love Mm -hmm. in this, you know, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of how we even can open ourselves to that and experience that as humans. We will never be able to quantify that, explain Mm -hmm. it, but we can. And we know what that feels like, those of us who are open to Christ. But I fought it. There was something in me that I had to be sought out from the darkness disqualified me from being brought to the light. Mm -hmm. And it went on for years. So in this season, in the last year, client after client after client in my practice that just have convinced themselves for whatever reason that they're completely worthless. And um, I'm not like a Christian counselor per se, but I pray. I don't know if I just... I'm not good at praying or what, but I always get the same answer. And it's just this like force of the divine say, walk with this person to try to get a glimpse of the beauty that they are, the wonder that they are, that they are loved. And it's this really gruelingly slow process of seeing people like try to stumble towards this reality in which they are not a failure and covered in shame and afraid of being exposed. And that's like that, that's the hard work of the gospel that we don't want to come. And it's not because we hate light. It's, it's I believe, because we've convinced ourselves that we aren't supposed to be in the light, right. that we're better suited for the dark. Right. But that's the gospel to me. It's that in our darkness, in our lostness, in our aloneness, there's a lot of talk about aloneness now, both in the secular and in the spiritual worlds and the light comes for us nonetheless and because of the character of the light to love beyond all things and i don't know why sometimes those in the church are the most unfree and the most shameful the most afraid to be who they really are that God is not happy with us. And like what you said earlier, Seth, well, I'll just have to come down there and die on the cross so I can stand you. Mm-hmm. But that's not at all. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. He's talking to this man saying, I came into the dark. You know you're in the dark. That you would experience the love and the joy and the beauty of the light. That's not an indictment on us. It's an imitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's almost like we believe that God is against us and not for us. Mm -hmm. And that's why this scripture is important because he's having to say, no, no, he loves you so much, right? So much that he's offering this way out. Like he's so for you Mm -hmm. that here is this thing that if you just look upon it, you'll be healed. That's how for us 
he is, but we just don't. We, I don't know where that where we, we as the church picked up the narrative that God isn't for us, and that He's so focused on the light that it's not about the dark; it's about the light, and we want to make it about the dark. Yeah. We get yeah. stuck in the dark, stuck that I'm in. The, he's like, I, I know, I don't care. That's why I'm here because I'm light, and we want to keep getting stuck at. But we're in the dark. And what does that mean? And why? Or how does that feel? Or what does that say about me? Or and he's just about the light. And he's not stuck on the dark. And like you're saying, Dave, that's it's his invitation. He's not wanting to debate it or categorize it or or decide why or place blame. It's this loving invitation of like I have this light join me. It's just what angle we're coming from and what we keep wanting to focus on. Yeah. We carry a lot of it with us. The discussion on this passage, I think, like, there's a reason this passage is kind of simple. Like, it's taught to children, you know, like, it's the first verse that you memorize as a kid. Because it's, it is very simple, but because it's so simple, it's also very easy to misconstrue and and then you have all, all of this other stuff that humans have put on it. So it, it is, it's hard to read this now without having all, I mean, the, this, is, this is the most famous Bible verse around the world. People who don't know the Bible know this verse. Or at least holding it up on a sign. <laughs> yeah, they've at least seen it weaponized. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it really is so, it's, it's so simple and it's so easy to, to get, mixed up mm-hmm. into all uh, our other stuff mm-hmm. but it, it really is beautiful and it really is an invitation so then go back to this man he was talking to nicodemus and nicodemus was drawn to the light he saw something in jesus that was different he saw people healed and delivered and listened to and valued and when Jesus talks about God, he talks about a reality, a kingdom, not rules and regulations and a code and religious system, but this is the kingdom of God. It's, this is what it's like. So the one that's stuck in the religious system that we know Jesus tears down, seeks him out because he's drawn to the light. Mm-hmm. So before anyone interpreted it and anyone divided over it. It was a really beautiful story of a heart drawn to Christ, which is the heart of the gospel. We can't forget that. Mm -hmm. People throw around the concept and the, and the word sin, but scripture, you know, time after time just says sin is that reality of being stuck in the darkness and that we can't accept that the light would invite us and draw us. So it's our fault only in that we don't believe truly that we're loved, that we have been drawn into the reality of Christ. So when John says that God so loved the world, the way that John says it, again, is that he loved all things in the world, all things that make up what we call the world, every particle in our being, every thought, every little quirky behavior that makes us who we are, oceans and mountains and rivers. He loves all of the world, the depth of it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that it's hard when you're stuck in cycles of shame and abuse and addiction and depression and anxiety. It's hard to accept that. That's why we say we believe. We believe. We don't always experience. We don't always live into. We don't always choose. But we believe that God is light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. That God resides in us. That we're loved. We pray to the Lord for grace to follow Christ this Lent. Give your church the courage to give up her preoccupation with herself and to give more time to your mission in the world. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength strength and and hear hear our prayer. Give your world the courage to give up war, bitterness, and hatred, and to seek peace. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up quarrels, strife, and jealousy in our families, neighborhoods, and communities. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our selfishness as we live for others and to give time, care, and comfort to the sick. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our fear of death and to rejoice with those who have died in faith. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer, here and in eternity. Amen. Amen.